Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Gapatici, your host. In this episode, we revisit the Biodynamic Associations Conference in Portland, Oregon. Our guest host, Matt Burns, a Waldorf educator, counselor, and podcaster, interviews attendees and presenters from the conference. You'll hear from Megan Durney. She talks about the fields we farm and the social field. Sandeep Kamath gives us a perspective on biodynamics in India. Karen Fortin and Delmar McComb talk about their herb farm in California. You'll hear from Uli Herter from the Gertianum with a worldwide perspective on biodynamics. And finally, stay tuned all the way to the end to hear from Executive Director of the Biodynamic Association in America, Thea Marie Carlson. She gives a great summary of what biodynamics means for the earth and how she found her way to it. If you like Matt's interviews, you should visit him at his website, burnslikeafire.com, to hear more podcasts with Matt. Hope to see you at the Biodynamic Conference in Lake George, New York, November 20th through 24th, 2019. This is Matt Burns, and I'm here with Megan Durney. I'm curious to hear about your work in, with biodynamics and how you came to be connected to biodynamics. Yeah. Well, great. That's a really great question to think about at this conference. Um, as I've been to biodynamic conferences the last, since 2010, and I, at that point in my life, I was looking for a kind of agriculture that invited the consciousness of the human being into um, the methodology. And I had been working with organic farming um, for a little over a year and had a lot of questions about what was perhaps certified organic that was put on the soil that wasn't contributing to the land as a whole. Like what, what are these, what, what can we give to the soil that contributes to the whole farm? instead of maybe just beefing up a plant for a temporary um, for a temporary time in its life cycle. Um, so that's kind of how I, I came into biodynamics was how do you, what's a more conscious way of farming? So I found that and was an intern at the Pfeiffer Center for numerous years and now I work at the Pfeiffer Center in New York, a biodynamic educational center. It's a small farm, uh, draft power and handwork mainly. And we work with uh, interns every year. And um, yeah, I think right now, kind of my growing edge is to um, incorporate the realms of the social life which are so necessary, but issues around oppression, issues around the colonialization of our consciousness, and um, to incorporate that in the everyday agricultural life as our food systems are so embedded in um, racism and injustice. And how is that within the biodynamic community and spiritual scientific community um, how is that embraced and seen as spiritual research? Because it is uh, an expansion of our consciousness just as biodynamics is as well in anthroposophy. So it's, for me, my growing edge is kind of bringing all of these and incorporating all these really important realities of life and 
communicating them and, and seeing them as a, a, a deepening of our consciousness. And it's all in order to be human inwardly and externally in our world today. I wonder if you could say something about how biodynamics address those questions you were first holding on how to work with the, the land differently, perhaps, and how it informs this, this question around social justice that you're currently holding. Yeah. Well, in biodynamics, what I've been learning and understanding is that um, really, um, to practice biodynamics, it's about incorporating practices and methods that are already, that are part of the cosmic world and resources given to us by the sun and the moon and the, the plant, planetary wisdoms and um, that there's so much that's already available for the earth that's in the air and in the soil but as biodynamic farmers what we're trying to do is host particular activities and relationships um, not by necessarily getting out of the way but almost being a little bit of a conductor. So how do we how do we understand what's happening in the cosmos and then help the soil receive what's already there? So perhaps um, when the moon is in the sign, a water sign, let's say cancer, um, we see the, the water related to the leafy element of the farm, so our greens. So maybe we'll go out and cultivate our kale, lettuce, um, cabbages, and other greens that day to just like bring bring the those forces into the soil that's already there and it's already going to touch the soil anyway but we're just kind of <clears throat> hosting more of a relationship so that the earth can get what it needs um, and so we can get what we need from the nutrition of the plants so that's the kind of that's that's how we're going to interact with the soil not by digging a hole and putting blood meal in the hole to really beef up the kale plant for a very temporary time. That's not really bringing a kind of wisdom to the soil. It's just temporary. Um, so I've been learning practices more like that in biodynamics. They have a longer term effect on the whole farm organism. And in terms of the second part was how does it kind of relate to... The social question, the yeah. Social question. This, the, into the social world, into these questions around social justice. and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so social justice isn't just lip service and appropriate languaging, um, but rather the injustice of another um, affects all of us. And to understand that reality um, takes a different kind of consciousness that sees something more whole. Well, one has to uncover the unhiddenness of white privilege and what have you. Um, but it's not seeking for justice out of um, trying to fit in or um, saying the right thing, but it's, it's a, the reality that all of our freedom <clears throat> is intertwined and we're all very affected by any atrocity and atrocities that have happened, the traumas that have happened on the land, the the stealing of the land that is that has happened in our history, it's all created an effect on what we what we are experiencing today. 
And we have to understand that. So that's something we have to understand in our consciousness. And then hopefully our activity that comes out of that understanding will have a long-term effects on the whole organism of our social life. So it's, a, it's an approach, I guess, I'm learning. And are there any next steps for you on the horizon that are tangible or that even that are hopes that you're looking towards with this? Um, <clears throat> I think one tangible next step is that in the community I live in, the Pfeiffer Center, um, we're working on a small piece of land. There's another community up the road called the Fellowship Community working with the elderly. And it has a biodynamic farm too. And so far the 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 land care has been split between the two organizations and we're coming together around the care of the land as a whole organism and that's really exciting to me to be bridging the gap between two institutions or organizations out of the care of the land as the star in the middle and I think um, to and then the, the, the next steps too is to work on ways in which we're farming socially and the social context that we create in agriculture. And I think um, there's a lot of steps this new team can take in, in developing um, a social field that's similar to the kind of fields we want to cultivate on the farm. So, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you for taking the time with me. And is there anything more you want to add before we wrap up? No. That's Thanks for asking me. All right. That's great. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's Saturday evening, November 17th, here at the Biodynamic Conference. And this is Matt Burns, and I'm here with... Sandeep Kamat. Sandeep, I'm really interested to hear from you, and perhaps we can start if you just tell me your connection to biodynamics and this movement in anthroposophy, and take it away. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Um, so 12 years ago, I saw a TV program. And uh, in this TV program, there was this man. His name is Raja Banerjee, which is the first Demeter-certified uh, project in India. And it's a tea estate. And he was riding a horse, wearing a cowboy hat. And he talked about the relationship of the cosmos with the soil. And I had a very conventional life at that time. I was working for a multinational corporation, um, Regular life, you know, uh, soda in the fridge, you know, junk food for my, my son who had then. And, and But this touched me. And I, I felt somehow a connection and this was going to be a part of my life. And then um, we had an issue with my son. Uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD. And they wanted to give him this drug called Ritalin for life. And we were looking at alternative therapies. And I had a chance to attend an anthroposophical medical conference in India. And there... Um, uh, we, I met one of my, my teachers of anthroposophy, Dr. Michaela Glockler, and also we got a cure for my son. So my first, you could say, interaction was anthroposophy to really see it working in, in the medical sphere. And at that time, I was very clear. I asked Michaela, I would like to do biodynamics, but she asked me to initiate a Waldorf school in, in Bangalore. So in uh, 2008, um, we started the first... Uh, Waldorf School in Bangalore. Uh, we were seven founding parents and 11 children. And after the school got, got us on its feet in the first couple of years, she in two, three years, then she asked me, she uh, said okay, and she supported my first visit to Dornak uh, 
to attend the agriculture conference. Can you orient, orient to where Bangalore is in India and, <clears throat> and what it's like there? Bangalore is, the, is a city in the south. We have uh, three major, it's probably the fifth or sixth biggest city in India. And it's one of the three uh, metropolises we have in the south. One is Chennai uh, in Tamil Nadu, the neighboring state. The other is Hyderabad. And, and, the, and one is uh, Bangalore is the capital of Karnataka. Bangalore is very much known in the news here in America as Bangalore because a lot of the call centers moved there in the beginning. And now it's a hub of the IT industry. So you have uh, the who's who of the information technology industry there. Okay. So that means there's been a lot of growth. So there's a lot of traffic and all the problems which are in urban areas is there as well. And so then you went to this biodynamic conference in what year was this? And this was uh, 2011. And it was really uh, uh, changing because I was, I felt that I'd come home, you know. And I say that the biggest gift I got from Anthroposophy was finding my destiny, and and this is this is my work, and it's there. So 2011, um, I'd already met a person and called Jake Chakra, who was the president of our association at that time, and he did two things. He got me onto the board of the Biodynamic Association, and he asked me to help him start the first biodynamic school in India. And we did this in that year, in 2011. We started a two-year residential biodynamic diploma program for underprivileged rural children. And the idea was that these children do not go to the city, but do farming in the villages. And uh, that school is still running now. We've had um, <clears throat> uh, three successful batches. But from the past uh, four years now, we are not involved. I'm personally not involved in the school because it's been taken over by the local people whose project that was. What was it that drew you so strongly when you encountered anthroposophy? Uh, well, you know, I, I had a lot of questions. And I had a first kind of spiritual uh, awakening in, um, in 2002 uh, when, I, when I recovered from my addiction. And, uh, but it wasn't enough, you know. There were still many, many questions to be answered. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm from India, from a Hindu background, so we have always this karma and destiny, but it's, it's, it's not really well explained and about reincarnation. And my first encounter with Dr. Michaela Glockler, I asked her many, many questions, and she was able to answer all of them, which is very rare to see somebody, you know, sometimes they, they say, we'll get back to you with an answer, or, you know, but to somebody to have all these answers in one place. And what struck me the most was that it was a practical philosophy because we could apply this in education, in farming, in medicine. And for me, being a very practical kind of executionist, I'm very good in doing stuff, and, and it was very important to, for me to have a philosophy which would be very practical. Did you say you were re recovering at the time? Yeah, I, had, uh, I, I was using drugs and alcohol for many years, and so I joined the 12-step uh, program. Uh -huh. into the, yeah. Okay. Mm. And where is your work at today? And can you also speak to the biodynamic movement in India today? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, are, we are, I think, the largest movement uh, in, the, in terms of number of people in the biodynamic movement worldwide. Our association is now um, started, it was started in 99. Uh, we have about 140 members. And uh, by listening to our members who are in the development space, as well as from the sales of preparation, we estimate there are about 100,000 farmers practicing biodynamic in some form uh, in India. Uh, the certified projects are mostly for export. 
uh, this year in June, we, at the Demeter International Members Assembly, we became full member, and that means we will now do all our certification in India for Demeter, as well as start to create the Demeter India brand. And how does this keep you busy? What, it, what is your work in relation to all this vast <coughs> amount of activity there? So I'm the secretary who's kind of the coordinator of all the activities happening in the association. And we, uh, two years ago, uh, we got funding from the German government through the German Farmers Association, their training arm called Andreas Summers Academy, where we went through organization development exercise. So that means now we have a very clear vision and mission and a strategy what we're going to do until 2022. And my key role is overseeing all these aspects of the strategy uh, are getting implemented, whether it's in training, whether it's in marketing. And personally, what I do is I, I work a lot now in advocacy and lobbying. We are really working to get biodynamics into government policy. Wow. And where do you see your work and the movement in India heading in the, in the future? <clears throat> um, I, I, we have a very, very bright future. I think we have a tremendous opportunity because biodynamics in India works very well. It has answers to many of the problems of the farmers, in, especially in the organic space. Uh, you know, some kind of pest problems and productivity issues which are plaguing, plaguing many of the organic farmers can be solved by biodynamics. And um, the, our, our ability has been a limited reach. We were not able to really reach out to more people. And now with this strategy in place and with the help from some supporters, we are able to do that now. And now, of course, getting the certification revenue in India. So with this, we will be able to uh, expand much, much more in the coming years. Wow. I want to thank you for taking time to meet me. I know we have a, a Eurythmic performance that's yeah. beginning probably about now. Yeah. Um, but before we close, I wonder if you have anything more you'd like to say that you haven't said yet. No, it, uh, <clears throat> it's my first time in America, so it's, it's been a tremendous experience here to see the vastness of it. I mean, I come from a big country, but there's, there's a lot of people, you know, and, and here you don't see the people, but the nature and the farms, and it's always special to go to these biodynamic farms. I had my opportunity to visit two of them before I came here and a few more in the coming week. It's, it's so special because it, the individuality of the farm, to see the farmer's uh, spirit, so to say, in the farm, you know, so I'm... I'm really looking forward to seeing the farms. I uh, it's an honor to get the chance to meet you in your yeah. first trip here, and yeah. thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. Well, it's Sunday morning, November 18th, 2018. This is Matt Burns, last day of the Biodynamic Conference, and I'm outside, and you can hear I-5 in the background, and some planes will fly overhead, and I'm here with... Karen Fortin. And Delmar McComb. And thank you so much. We've been, we were introduced on Thursday night, and we've been looking for time to meet, and so I'm glad we have this little space of time before the workshops begin in a few minutes. I wonder if you could tell me about the work that occupies you down in California, whereabouts, and what it is that you're doing in relation to biodynamics. Yeah, we're near Santa Cruz, California, actually called Coralitos, just south. Um, we have an herb farm. We grow probably around 100 varieties of medicinal and culinary herbs and uh, value add them and do products and sell them mainly through farmer's markets and online, but also getting into wholesale. Um, I also 
person. So Karen runs that mostly. I also uh, work at a large wholesale nursery. We grow container plants uh, and sell from San Diego to nearly British Columbia now. And we, I bring that up because we incorporate biodynamic practices there and actually have a new certified line, of, a Demeter certified line of, of plants. How do you mean when you say value add? Um, we are a relatively small farm, so we have 17 acres, and we only farm about two to three acres of that with herbs. We also have livestock, so uh, we are, like uh, in a traditional sense, like a biodynamic farm with um, cows, and um, that give us um, manure and um, fertility for the farm. So we can't live of bulk herbs. We also have a passion for, let's put it that way, for healing and working with plants and bringing them to the people so what we do is basically from growing the herbs value add them that means like we make tinctures we make diet um, dietary supplements but we also make skincare so we bring them to the people at the farmers markets and they know us as farmers but they also know us as herbalists and we become kind of literally the farm a sea of the community and how did you come to be connected to biodynamic agriculture Either one of you can respond. Well, I mean, we both have different stories. I uh, Actually, there's a woman here, Shabari Bird, who's, whose uh, former husband who passed away is Christopher Bird. And he wrote a book along with uh, a gentleman named Peter Tompkins called Secrets of the Soil. And in 1989, uh, 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 I got to know him. And he said, you know, you need to get away from chemical thinking and uh, you should read a book called Secrets of the Soil. So I read that, and as probably many people know, it starts really with biodynamics uh, as part of its whole story, and I was, I was hooked since 1989, so almost 30 years now. How old were you in 1989? I have to think about that. Something, something like 24, 25, yeah. Okay, and how about for you? Um, I grew up in Switzerland, and my mom was shopping Demeter when I grew up, and um, my parents being naturopaths, they were involved into with the local anthroposophic community, so I, I kind of got it in my muesli in the morning. And where do you see your work going into the future, your land that you're working on now or beyond? Um, we do have a dream, and uh, we currently as I mentioned, have 17 acres that we rent, and it's California. We have no um, land security. We, we rent, and our lease will be up soon. So we are thinking and working towards a bigger community where we actually team up as a community farm with other farmers regionally, and um, there's also a need for education. We would love to team up also with elder i mean we're not <laughs> spring chickens either so we're looking forward to be able to manifest a communi community that is based around one or several biodynamic farms that will educate and provide the community with food and medicine medicine as food yeah. and how can people stay connected with your work as it progresses we have um, <laughs> a Facebook page, um, but I wouldn't rely on that like because we farmers, we don't have that much time. <laughs> Come and visit us. And there is, we have a website, it's blossomsfarm.com, um, but we invite everyone to come and visit us. Okay, very nice. And before we close up, is there anything that you'd like to add that you haven't said yet? 
Well, I might just add on to uh, our work because I work at a, a large nursery, and it's it was purely conventional before, uh, and I've. Well, we created a certified line, but we also it's also a hybrid of the chemical approaches with biodynamics. And it's it's kind of a passion of mine to try to be a bridge between the two worlds. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I consider myself purely uh, anthroposophical, biodynamic person, but I also see the need to bring that out in the world in a form that re, uh, is received. So that's, I feel like, part of our work, too, where we try to be to the extent possible, some kind of ambassador or voice for biodynamics out in the, the big world and try to get it out there. So, Thank you so much for finding the time to talk. Thank you. This is Matt Burns, and I'm here with... Uli Hurter. Uli, I'm wondering if you could tell me about your connection to biodynamics, where it has you now, and perhaps where it began. Yeah, I'm a farmer in Switzerland, and in the same time, I'm co-section leader at the Goetheanum. And I'm not from an agricultural background, uh, from my family. Uh, it was a free choice for me not to go to university, not to enter into science or, let's say, business in a classical way. But, yeah, to go, let's say, in a kind of looking for other values and for other ways uh, for a living. And this brought me to agriculture. It was not in some way a goal for itself, but um, by freeing oneself up as a young man from kind of um, yeah, official perhaps um, ways to look to the society, um, I realized that uh, only to be free and not to uh, go mainstream is not enough. One has to engage somewhere and uh, one of the opportunities or one of the things which uh, showed up to be possible to engage again into society is with agriculture because you are in the first place position. Um, you are working directly with nature and not after someone other has worked. And for me, this striving for independency, for sovereignty has been, let's say, perhaps the, the main reason yeah, to go to agriculture. Not so much in my case to be linked with nature. I'm not the one who has perhaps in a deeper way a relation with plants and animals and so on. It was more to be in the social surrounding in a way, in a, in a place, in a position which uh, allows this kind of independence. And how did this lead you to biodynamic agriculture? Well, you see, it has not been so much out of, uh, let's say, a kind of practical approach. It has more been a kind of, yeah, where does life 
go, yeah, a kind of idealistic uh, searching. And when it became clear, I have been living in the mountains and I helped the, the, the farmers, the mountain farmers there, when they had to go to military service or other things. And so I, I engaged step by step. And then I realized that uh, I should uh, make an apprenticeship and uh, not only help, but try to become in some way a professional. And in Switzerland, you have this kind of apprenticeship programs where you go on a farm. And from there, um, working and learning on the farm, you go to school one uh, day in, in the week. Yeah? So I had to look for a farm where I could engage as, as an apprenticeship. And yeah, it was clear that it's either an organic or a biodynamic farm. This was clear. And I visited perhaps five or four farms. And by visiting, by touching yeah, what lives yeah, on these different farms, not so much about agronomical issues, because I didn't know about yeah, but a kind of cultural quality yeah, being in place, um, it became clear that I will not go to an organic place. So what remained, it was the biodynamic place. It was a little bit not so clear for me what it is about, yeah? But at least it was kind of openness there, yeah? So I engaged my apprenticeship scheme on a biodynamic place um, because, yeah, it was not at all the question to go to a on a conventional farm and was then after experience not um, an organic farm either. When was this and how old were you then and what farm did you end up at? I was 20 years old um, or perhaps 22 so far too old for a classical apprenticeship um, starting because this happens with 16, 17, year, 17 years in, uh, in Switzerland, yeah. So it was a kind of special situation when you have already done uh, college, but you don't, don't go to university, you enter then on a practical scheme. And yeah, I have not been the only one in my generation who yeah, has been looking for other ways um, yeah, to engage in society. And um, the farm has been a biodynamic farm from people coming from town. And it was a kind of community shared farm. It was owned by one of them, but in some way it has been a teamwork. So not a classical family farm as we have them in Switzerland, yeah, a kind of teamwork. Yeah. And when was that? What year? Ooh, was what? It was 82, something like this. 81, 82. Yeah. 82. And where did that lead you in life from having gone there? Where did you go from there? Yes. So perhaps one thing uh, I can tell from this, from this period there is that I, when I went to school with this very young uh, farmer boys, yeah, which has been not at all interesting for me, just boring, yeah, they have just been uh, speaking about tractors and 
as they are when they are uh, first time a little bit out of home. But I had a colleague which has been in the same situation as me. His name is uh, Beat Jans, and actually he is in the political situation in Switzerland. He is in the parliament and is one of the main speakers for the ecological agriculture um, policy in Switzerland. <laughs> and the situation has been there that we have been working very practically with horses and even milking by hand. And in the same time, um, the farmer I have been learning from, he went twice a week to Dornach. It has not been far away from Dornach for to study anthroposophy. And I had be, it has been possible for me to go with him. And so in the, in the same time, I have had the, the warmth and the engagement of the very practical hands-on work. I have had the opportunity to go and to enter into the anthroposophical thinking. Mm. So the both happened the same moment for me. Can you say something about your work nowadays? In the section? So it's a kind of networking around the world in the biodynamic movement, together with the anthroposophical movement, with the Emeta International, and with the wider organic and sustainable food movement. It's a kind of researching, not scientifically in the way to do um, trials, but in the way to try to always understand deeper and it's in some way, yeah, to hold in some way the connection for the biodynamic movement with the anthroposophical background, yeah? Or from the anthroposophical movement towards the biodynamic movement, yeah. And when you look at biodynamics into the future, do you have any hopes or where do you see it going? Yeah, I have great hope, and I think it's more than hope, because we are in a very strong phase, actually, of our development. One sees it here. I mean, it's, it's huge what's going on here. And the sessions we have had yesterday morning, huh, the both, with the presentation of the three farmers, or farm women, and then also this presentation of uh, how do you call it, survey of the overall situation of the biodynamic movement with the different organizations. I think it's a wonderful work. And this morning, I mean, it's, it's really touching, yeah? How the biodynamic movement can open up and to let come in this kind of, let's say, sister movement, yeah? For social justice. Um, so... Um, when one looks from our, how we have been organized and shaped and how many people and which people have been in perhaps 15, 20 years ago and one looks now, it's really an opening up and in the same time a kind of deepening and really engaging in the challenges of our time. Not being a small group somewhere for itself, but trying to connect and to be a carrier and yeah, bring a contribution yeah, to what is needed actually um, in our time. And this is the case here in North America, 
It's the case in South America. In all plus minus all countries, there has been a founding of an association in the last three years. And it's in some way, yeah, really hopeful there too. We have been one year ago in India with a larger group of biodynamic people internationally. And this is the most important biodynamic country in the world when one counts people involved. They have several groups, small uh, farmers are engaged with biodynamics. So there are, I would guess, 100,000 small farms in India. And in Europe, where we have historically the strongest situation, our situation is also uh, shaped by our presence in the marketplace with our Demeter products. And it's a challenging situation because more and more Demeter products are not only in the pure organic stores, but now also in the supermarkets. And yeah, not to be just eaten up by these uh, very powerful structures, but to try to bring there in a new kind of economic relation. Yeah, This is a wonderful um, uh, opportunity, a challenge. But for example, our next conference uh, from the section, which is always the first week of February at the Gretianum, is about this economical issue. I'm really grateful that you were willing to talk with me and find the time to do that. And uh, before we close, I just wonder if you have anything more that you want to say that you haven't said yet. Well, if ever this interview would be listened to by, let's say, people from the biodynamic or the anthroposophical movement in, uh, in North America, I would really like um, yeah, to acknowledge and to thank the work which is done here I knew that uh, in some way there is an upcoming power which uh, shapes in this kind of gatherings, but I'm very impressed. All right, it's a little before 2 p.m. on Saturday, November 17th, 2018, coming from the Biodynamic Conference. And we're outside of the conference center, so there may be some planes flying overhead or cars going by. And I'm here with... Thea Maria Carlson. Thea. Do you go by Thea? Yes. Okay. And this is Matt Burns. And Thea, can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do and how you came to be doing it? Sure. So I'm executive director of the Biodynamic Association, which is a national membership nonprofit organization um, dedicated to transforming agriculture and biodynamic practice. And I started working with the association eight years ago. I started four hours a week coordinating our farmer training apprenticeship program and grew into leadership with the organization over a number of years. And the Biodynamic Conference, which we organize, which is happening right now, is one of our biggest endeavors to really bring together both the existing biodynamic community and many people who are interested in biodynamics but haven't had a chance to learn yet. And what does work look like for you during the year in this field? Well, as the executive director of a small nonprofit, it's it's a whole bunch of different things. We are a distributed organization, so we all work from home. So I live in an 
potential community in California. I'm on my computer most of the time, but then I also get to travel around the world. Um, in the past year, I've been to India and New Zealand and Switzerland, meeting with biodynamic folks, other places, and then I spend a lot of times on video meetings with people across the country, around the world, and lots of emails. <laughs> yeah, and I know you're in your on your way into a meeting in just about probably five minutes or so, but I wonder if you could tell me how you came to be connected to biodynamics in the first place. Yeah, I was originally interested when I was in high school, got interested in environmental science, and when I went to college, I thought I wanted to study ecology, biology, and um, midway through college, I went to a study abroad program in um, the Brazilian Amazon, which was focused on ecology and natural resource management, and when I was there, there was we went to logging and mining and hydroelectric dams and um, I really saw there that the reason why we're losing the rainforest is because people are growing food in a way that um, isn't regenerating the earth it's, it's depleting the earth and, and that's because an inappropriate form of agriculture was imposed um, on an ecosystem that for a long time had agriculture that was appropriate there so I came back to the United States and really wanted to learn how to how do we grow food in a way that's going to nourish people and the earth rather than taking away from it? And I found a farm to work on. It was a biodynamic farm. Where was that? That was in Northern California in Mendocino County. And when was that and how old were you then? Uh, that was in 2003. I was 21. Okay. And, and how did it go from there to here? Well, that summer that I worked on that farm was really, really hard. It was just me and one other person who's still farming. Um, he has a lot more energy than me. Um, but we had, you know, 12, 16-hour days in 100-degree heat, and I came out of that having learned a lot about the farm organism and the role of animals and also deciding that I didn't want to be a farmer. So I, I worked in school gardens. I worked in urban agriculture. I really wanted to stay connected to food, but I didn't think I wanted to be a production farmer. And then uh, seven years later, I circled back and decided I did want to farm, um, but I didn't choose a biodynamic farm because I wasn't quite conscious that that was what I needed. And then um, over the course of that year, I realized there was something missing that I'd seen on other biodynamic farms and it came in the form of biodynamic compost. And after I saw the effect of the compost on the fields, that was what really um, led me to the Biodynamic Association. I started working with the association a few months later. Okay. And what's, where do you see biodynamics in America going in the future or in the world? Well, there's a, there's a lot right now. I mean, our, our keynote this morning was biodynamics, indigeneity, and social justice. And I think as these issues of race and racism and the um, mistreatment of indigenous people and the land really come to the forefront uh, in our country, I think biodynamics has a responsibility and opportunity to offer ways to um, holistically integrate how we work with the land and how we relate to each other and really build healthy co-creative relationships um, with the land and with other human beings. Well, thank you so much for finding the space to speak with me in your busy weekend. Is there anything you'd like to say before we close that you haven't said yet? Well, if folks aren't familiar, biodynamics is a holistic, ecological, um, ethical approach to farming and gardening and food and nutrition. And there are ways to get involved no matter where you are, if you're an eater or a farmer or a gardener or an entrepreneur. And so we really welcome anyone who cares about the future of Earth and humanity to become a member, um, come to our website, come to our conference, um, start learning and connecting. And the website is? Biodynamics.com.
All right. Thank you so much, Thea. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.